fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienna. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about political blockades with my friend Vienna. Damn, I love those when they're for good things. That is going to be a large part of today's conversation. <laughs> yeah, I expected it to be. How are you? I'm so fucking tired. I'm exhausted. Hell yeah. February sucks. This is the worst month. Like, <laughs> there's nothing redeemable about February. Except for Captain Cook Death Day, um, which is February 14th, uh, when that colonial shithead was killed on the beaches. Um, yeah. How are you? Uh, good knowing that this is uh, uh, Captain Cook's death. Is it death month or death day? Uh, his death day is the 14th. All right. Fuck Captain Cook. Yeah. I was saying before we went live that I'm I'm oddly on the upswing. <laughs> so I'm a bit chipper than usual. I don't know why. It's it, I agree with you. February is like a dreary month. I don't know why I'm a bit uh, happy, but whatever. Take it when you get it. You know, I'm not going to complain. Yeah, take advantage. But we should probably get straight to it because uh, this is... Could be a long episode. It's hard to say up front, but uh, we have a lot of clips. I think they're all important. You know, the ongoing truck thing is happening. We have something to say about it, considering that we cover a guy who's involved in this thing. So <laughs> uh, it's going to be an interesting look. So uh, we should just probably get to it. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. I want to start this week a bit differently. We know there is this ongoing right-wing occupation of Ottawa, along with several road blockades along the Canadian-American border. They're obviously going to be the focus of this episode, uh, but before we get into this week's content, I think it's worthwhile going over previous blockades and how Ezra has responded to them. The first clip I want to play is from late January or early February in 2020, and it's Ezra responding to union members of Co-op Gas who were blocking refueling stations during their strike. At the time the government was saying these blockades were illegal, I think they had implemented an injunction at this point, which is important context here, but we don't need to litigate whether it was in fact legal or, or not, or whether it was illegal or not illegal. Uh, I'll just... Uh, Skip over that. However, the clip I'm about to play is Ezra responding to an incident where a person driving a truck tries to force themselves through a barricade that was set up by the union activists. And this is how Ezra responds to that. I mean, I'm not for physical assault, but I tell you, if a guy's blocking a truck and if he's a trespasser himself and he's got an illegal fence, you know, I don't prescribe violence. I certainly don't. Not that that guy was hurt, but... You can understand why a guy who needs to fill up with gas because maybe his car's going to run out of gas or he needs to, whatever reason, you can understand the frustration there. And I blame the cops who are right there allowing that to happen. I, I'm not for violence, but I can understand it when some union boss who has no connection to the location is stopping a, a local community from living. Very, very frustrating. Again, you can already see why I'm going through this, because 
there's current blockades ongoing. And so what I want to do with this is to just try to paint a picture of his previous statements. We will go on to another incident. So around the same time as this co-op gas strike, it, again, in January and February uh, 2020, there was another attempt by the RCMP to invade Wet'suwet'en territory. This led to rail blockades across Canada to stop the coastal gas link pipeline and in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en for getting the RCMP out of their territory. Ezra's initial response to the blockade, because he is a self-described rule of law guy, was that the RCMP needs to do their job and remove the blockades. I'm a rule of law kind of guy. I don't understand why the RCMP haven't gone in, cleared the railroad tracks, laid charges where, where appropriate, being gentle where, where appropriate, but send out a signal. You can already see his, his reaction to any type of blockade is he's a rule of law guy. <laughs> if you're doing an illegal blockade, that means it's the rule of law. So the police need to get in there and they need to get, get those people off the blockading, you know? Yeah. Ezra also condemned the blockades for receiving uh, foreign funding. And I think that's another important thing to highlight. So, uh, and again, these are the, the rail blockades at the, at the time in 2020. And he implies that they were really uh, astroturf movements uh, that were funded by the dreaded George Soros. So I do know that many of the groups that are agitating are foreign funded. I'd see Sapora Berman, who works for the US-based Stand.Earth. She is fomenting and agitating. They're based in the United States. The Tides Foundation funding these rogue Witsuwet'en hereditary chiefs that that's public documents that uh, we've exposed. So we do know who some of the bad guys are. I, I must say that uh, Vienno in the visual portion of this podcast just winced at the pronunciation of what's sweating. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. I wanted to highlight this because there, a big chunk of Ezra's arguments uh, whenever there is a left-wing protest, but especially during these blockades that were happening, and you can even see it with the co-op gas strike, which was that, you know, it's either the union bosses are like these elitists who are funding these union activists and funneling money to them. And the idea that he's trying to get across there is that it's inauthentic. And similarly with the Wet'suwet'en rail blockades, the idea that because it's foreign money or because it's like NGO or activist money, that therefore it's like the activists on the ground are like paid shills or like they're not really into it or, or something. Or like it's it's not an organic populist movement, right? It's somehow a uh, elitist manufactured thing. Yes. So at one point during the rail blockades, there were negotiations with both the police uh, and with the federal uh, government and the people who are doing the blockading. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these talks, they didn't end up mattering in the long run. There was a few things that went back and forth, but like in a couple of weeks of the negotiations that were happening, the country was entirely locked down due to the global pandemic. Because uh, remember, this was February 2020. We were fully shut down in March of 2020, around when this was happening. Yeah. But this is how Ezra responded to the fact that negotiations were even taking place. I see that the RCMP has negotiated with the criminals who are currently violating the court order up there in northern BC. And they've apparently agreed to withdraw. The police have agreed to obey the criminals, not to obey the 20 out of 20 Indian men who want the criminals gone, but rather the criminals themselves. That's the state of Canada in 2020. That's the police in 2020. That's the courts. That's the rule of law. 
Now we we don't have to get into the the part about the the uh, uh, band chiefs because that's something we've covered on this program ad nauseum. It's just to highlight yeah. that. Uh, like you can tell by the tone of his voice, like maybe the clip doesn't give the full like feeling there. But Ezra looks at the fact that the police were negotiating with these protesters and activists as like, oh, my God, like they they negotiated. It's almost like, oh, my God, they negotiated with terrorists like it has that kind of like vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. So while these negotiations were happening, there was an incident in Alberta where a bunch of vigilantes took down a blockade. So. I think one of them was named Dan Simpson or something. <laughs> Either way, Ezra makes a big deal about this, praising what they did. And he even gave, uh, I think it was the Dan Simpson guy, a case of beer in honor of like breaking down this uh, barricade. I mean, the footage that came out, it looked like they were just removing pallets from like the railroad crossing or whatever and like putting them in dumpsters. And like it was all over the, the right wing media. Now, Nothing major happened while these assholes were doing this. There was, like, some minor scuffles that occurred, but, like, uh, you know, there, there wasn't, like, any extreme violence of any kind, right? Just, like, shoving yeah. and that kind of stuff. But this is how Ezra responded to the existence of vigilantes being there uh, in the face of police inaction back in, again, this was, like, around February uh, of uh, close to March in 2020. But I think one day... An ordinary citizen won't be so friendly, won't be so peaceful, won't be so good Samaritan-ish and might throw a punch or use a stick to hit or, God forbid, a gun or just drive over a road barrier and drive on someone. And I don't want that to happen and I wouldn't support it if it happened, but I could understand it if it happened because as part of a community, as part of a country, there's a social contract we give the monopoly of violence to the government, to the police, and we expect them to protect us all. And if they sit in their police cars having a cup of coffee instead of enforcing the law, why not? If it's the rule of the, uh, the jungle, if it's the law of the jungle, yeah. why not? So you can see there uh, Ezra ad not advocating, but kind of just being like, it's going to be an inevitability. You have these blockades. The people are just going to drive their trucks through it. And like, why not? It's the rule of the jungle now. The police are not dismantling the barricade, so therefore just drive into them. Like, <laughs> and we highlight like when we played this clip initially on our show. This was uh, before Vieta was the co-host. Back when Caitlin was uh, the co-host, uh, we were shocked that like he was speaking this way because there's like an element in which it's putting the idea in his listener's mind to a certain degree and sort of mm -hmm. like giving them plausible deniability. Uh, which is like not great <laughs> true that's correct and so th the reason why i wanted to go down this uh memory lane is just like it, we're in the interesting position having covering this person to live through now i guess two types of occupations or blockades one happened to be a left-wing version of it that we just went over but now there is this uh right-wing version of it that has uh, borrowed similar tactics to a certain degree like not completely yeah. but like in the in the the same general area and so the the question is like how does Ezra then deal with this contradiction and that's what most of this episode is going to be about but before we go on to um uh, the modern day 
and how Ezra is dealing with what's happening right now. There are a few, I just want to distill what we've learned here with the, the few key takeaways from his previous coverage, and then we can apply that to the new coverage and see how it holds up. Mm-hmm. The first is that cops are at fault for vigilante violence because, or sorry, vigilante violence because they didn't remove the illegal blockades. Two is that people who are not a part of the, the community should not be disrupting the community. Three is that the RCMP must remove blockades because it's the rule of law. Four, foreign funding is bad and implies a lack of authenticity. And five, it is bad when police negotiate with criminals. <laughs> and uh, I imagine some of you who are listening right now who has been following what's going on in, in the truck convoy and in Ottawa are probably already seeing some contradictions. But <laughs> yep. But we'll see whether or not Ezra justifies it to himself in any way, and then we can assess whether he reasoned himself out of this or whether he he still sucks. But <laughs> oh, are you saying that Ezra Ezra Levant of Rebel News might suck? Uh, you know, I d- even you- to the modern day. I don't think he can sue us for that one, so yes, he sucks. <laughs> he completely <laughs> sucks. I do not think that is... <laughs> you know what? Of all the things that we have said on this show, I do hope this is the one that gets a suit. <laughs> oh my god. Your honor, he said I sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and then the judge is like, they were right. <laughs> We sentence Ezra Levant to suck. <laughs> they just give him a straw and say, go to town. <laughs> Get going. Oh, my God. Now we get to the week of January 31st to February 4th, 2022. Uh, weirdly enough, it's almost two years after the events we just discussed. And uh, now, of course, uh, it's a right-wing protest that is occupying the city of Ottawa and setting up barricades in uh, Coots, Alberta, and I think the the bridge going between Windsor and Detroit. Yeah. Those are the two main ones. I think there might be some more, but those are the two main ones. Yeah, they were doing the one near Victoria or Vancouver, whichever one, and I think briefly Sarnia the one day, but I think that's been it. That I've heard of, at least. On January 31st, now, remember, this was the Monday after the trucks first arrived in Ottawa. And so the coverage on Ezra's show is mainly them just playing footage that they got while on the ground on the 29th, which, if you remember how the convoy works or worked, they left uh, Vancouver the week, the Saturday before the 29th, arriving in Ottawa on the 29th. And that was like their big, I think that was the largest turnout so far at the truck convoy was on the 29th even uh to now yeah and even then like largest numbers (laughs) were a couple like a few thousand type of thing but and this is gonna be a side note but it's just related to something that i saw earlier today about like you know those diagrams that like advocates of like urban transit and like biking and stuff like that use all the time of like this is people this is 200 people in cars, this is 200 people in buses, this is 200 people on bikes, this is 200 people walking. That is entirely the reason why, like, this is so overblown as some, like, huge movement, is that trucks are big. (laughs) And that's it. Like, 
if these people were on the side of the street, you'd be like, oh, wow, like, you know, did a little league tournament just get out or something? Like, these people just look like rich assholes who play play hockey or whose kids play hockey. And it's like, instead, it's an international incident because they're driving large vehicles. Large, loud vehicles. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot to go over with their coverage of what's happening on the ground. Uh, there and because most of the stuff they talked about we already covered last week so if you're interested uh, at what was happening in ottawa you can go back to our last episode the one thing that i do want to cover though is that what ezra thinks of the one guy who was flying a nazi flag (laughs) oh no so this is what ezra has to say about that guy now i knew that these truckers were ordinary people severely normal people and I'm a, a Jew for 49 years. And I have to tell you, I've been to nine provinces and two territories. And I have never seen a Nazi, a Nazi flag, a Nazi incident in my life. 49 years I've been crisscrossing Canada. I think I've traveled more than most. I just simply have never, ever seen it. And I go to political places. I go to, quote, right-wing places. So I knew. I will, I will pause it there for now to... Highlight one, I I think he's completely full of shit that he's never seen this before, because every time we've covered on the show some sort of Nazi symbolism showing up anywhere near Ezra, he always says that he's never seen Nazi flags before. (laughs) It's like his go-to answer, and it's like, bud, come on. It's proof that Ezra Levant has never visited London, Ontario. Yeah. There's also, like, we've talked about this before, but his book Shakedown, like, there's an entire chapter where he defends he doesn't name them as nazi but they're all nazis and he defended them all uh in that book against rabid uh uh, anti-free speech people that were like calling out the fact that these assholes online were spreading like holocaust denial and ezra defended them wasn't was that the one where the one was a teacher who was explicitly teaching holocaust denial no, that that predates uh, Shakedown. That was the, the Keegstra case that went all the way to the Supreme Court. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, but some of these people, I mean, they were, they were spreading really terrible stuff online. We'll just, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And we, we might eventually do uh, go back and redo uh, the Shakedown series and actually do, because I didn't finish it, uh, time constraints and whatnot. But maybe we'll release that as bonus footage someday and do another series. For the patrons or something. I don't know. Spitball on here. All right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the other thing that I wanted to highlight that you uh, uh, uttered during the clip, which is the, the severely normal people thing. <laughs> yeah. That was a great line. <laughs> He's like, the funny thing is, it as because you only get to hear like some of the clips, right? But he says severely normal people all the time. And it's always when he's referring to like the people that he likes. They're just, and it's like, I don't know why, like you, you just can't use normal. It's always like severely normal. You know what I mean? They're just so fucking normal. <laughs> These people are terminally average. <laughs> they just happen to be hanging around people flying Nazi flags, you know? You know, who hasn't? Yeah. What are you going to do? Just your average everyday, super normal, you know, what? You wander in, you see a Nazi flag, you say, oh, well, I'm normal, so it's whatever. (laughs) 
I mean, it is funny. Like he's he's subsequently saying severely normal people uh, are hanging out, and it just happens to be always be the place where these Nazi flags are. Yet he's never seen a Nazi flag in in his life. So you would think that like they're not normal. <laughs> if the Nazi flags are never around, and yet they happen to be here, then are they normal or are they not? I mean. Let's finish the clip because I have a suspicion about what he's going to say next. The demand exceeds supply and there would be such a demand from the liberal war room, from Justin Trudeau, from the media for something Nazi-ish that if it didn't happen normally, which of course it wouldn't, that it would be manufactured and indeed it was. And look at this, a picture of an actual Nazi swastika. But if you look carefully, it's not on Parliament Hill. And here's another picture of the same swastika at the Chateau Laurier Hotel. Give me a minute on that. The Chateau Laurier, if, if you don't know Ottawa, is the absolute fanciest, ritziest hotel in the city. I, I don't know. I'm guessing it's $400 a night. Um, their lobby bar always has cabinet ministers and lobbyists in it. It is the establishment cream of the crop for rich people. The idea that some trucker from the convoy would be staying at the Chateau Laurier for 400 bucks a night with his Nazi flag is too far to be believed. This is obviously a false flag, but every media ran with it so disgracefully. They all knew it was fake. They didn't care. They're the Jussie Smollett's of Canada. I was waiting for him to say the words false flag, but also, wow, the Jussie Smollett's of Canada. My God. You know, I don't often say this, but that pun is awesome for this incident. <laughs> a flag, false flag. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a... Kind it's of a really... literal false flag. <laughs> the flag is false. But also just, wow. I also love, like, the implication that, like... It, I We don't know whether... Uh, we I don't think anyone's figured out who this person is. But we don't know whether or not they were actually, like, staying at the hotel... But even then, like, what does staying at a, a, a fancy hotel have to do about whether or not someone's... An, like, can rich people not be Nazis? Uh, like, and the other end of it is he's trying to imply that no one at this protest is rich, which is, is completely yeah. full of shit. See, that was the thing that I was thinking of especially, but also just, like, does he think that... I don't know who he thinks... Did it, I guess. Like, either RCMP or CSIS, presumably. Does he think that they're dumb? Like... <laughs> I, n none of it makes sense. Like... Yeah. None of it makes any sense for it to be, like, a false flag. Like, yeah. Because, like, here's the thing. It's like, the only way that would work is if you walk around with the Nazi flag and then no one beats the... Or then people, like... No one beats the shit out of you, but then that, what does that say about you such that you're a group of people that won't beat the shit out of someone with a Nazi flag? Otherwise, you're, like, showing that the truckers hate the Nazis. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah, understand like, that. It is very, like, and who, there was the one case of that conservative MP or someone talking to the news, and there was someone with a, like, Canada flag with drawn Nazi, with drawn swastikas on it. And, like, you know, that was in the middle of everything. So even if you're taking the example of, like, oh, the person with the literal, like, Nazi flag wasn't in the middle of the protest, 
but was instead towards the outskirts. There was also that other one. Yeah. And the... the b- Confederate flags? That that one, yep. Yeah. I mean, there was other ones. Like, we, we mentioned uh, on stream last night the Eureka flag in Australia, which is kind of like neutral but has been adopted by fascists those all those flags were flying there so it's just funny that like they focus on this one flag in particular but even then like i don't recall if this was the case for that one conservative mp who was caught with the the flag behind him but that Mm -hmm. flag i mean you saw a lot of imagery at the protest of like referring to trudeau as a nazi and it could have yeah. been that, like the swastika on the Canadian flag there could have been doing that kind of move. I don't know. But like the flying of just the swastika, like just flying the swastika flag, that's a bit sus, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's less like implying that somehow Trudeau was the, the like the fascist, but you, uh, you, you were just flying a, a fascist flag, you know? And like on your note about like people not, obviously not like, chasing them or away or beating them up if that had happened that would have been great propaganda for the right wingers who are in support of the convoy they would have got footage of that somebody would have got footage of them like shaking chasing them away and being like nazis fuck off but they're not gonna do that like nope no so that's that's all we get from the Nazi flag. The Nazi flag, like it comes up like periodically throughout the the rest of the week on the show, but it's again him just saying it's either agent provocateurs or like it's a false flag flag. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's all we get from it. Uh, that that's pretty much his only angle on it. The only other two things that happen on the first day here worth mentioning is that the first is that Ezra criticizes members of the convoy who uh, think that there's like a secret document you can sign that will get Trudeau to resign. And he rightfully calls that absurd and says it won't work. So, you know, one, one thing that Ezra is right about. (laughs) There's a secret piece of paper in parliament, not telling you where it is, but if you sign it, Trudeau's got to go. It's a, it's a scavenger hunt. I think part of the idea was you have this document and then somehow it gets the governor general uh, working with the queen to like get Trudeau to resign or some shit. Like it had some sort of formal process. Uh huh. All right, you need to move. You need to move. I don't need you sitting there yelling at me the whole time. Very distracting. You're very loud. <laughs> wow. The second thing that happens is that Ezra interviews a sitting MP and former conservative leadership candidate named Leslin Lewis, who was in the crowd on the 29th. Good God. And the only thing we gain from this interview is that we find out that Leslin is anti-mandate. But the interesting thing is she doesn't go full anti-vaccine, although it's clear Ezra wants her to because he keeps, like, uh, pressing her on whether the boosters work or not. And she just kind of, like... She basically says she accepts the science on that. She's just against the mandates. And she says her issue with the mandates is that it, like, hurts small businesses. Which, again, like, we talk about the extent to which these are supposed to be working class people and whatnot. And it's clear that they all are, like, here to support small businesses, not workers. But it's also, you know, worth reminding that uh, Leslin Lewis, who, again, ran for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada... Is backed and by came a lot second. Of, and came second is backed by a lot of Christo fascists. So yes, and is a Christo fascist herself. Right, herself. 
I just mean she was endorsed by a lot of the like main Christo fascists because before that, I don't think many people knew who the hell she was. So yeah. So now we go on to February first, and Ezra starts off uh, the first by playing a clip of Tucker Carlson, because in that clip, Tucker Carlson says, "Thank God for Rebel News," and uh, <laughs> which is terrifying. It means that more people are going to be drawn to his show. This isn't the first time that uh, Rebel has been mentioned on Tucker's uh, show, and we've talked about it before. But uh, I guess all we can say here is if you want to know more about Tucker Carlson and the shitty things he says, you can go check out our friends over on the Tuckered Out podcast. True. But part of the clip that Tucker played was a Rebel News employee who was uh, interviewing this uh, counter-protester who had a sign calling the truckers uh, white supremacists. And this Sikh trucker comes up, and so uh, Rebel asks them if they're a white supremacist, and he basically says that, no, we're not. Like, look at me. It can't be a white supremacist uh, rally, et cetera, et cetera. And so Mm -hmm. the right wing has used this as a, look, it's a a diverse uh, convoy. (laughs) We found the one person. Ezra then makes, uh, after playing this clip of this individual, an, he makes an oddly anti-essentialist argument about race and culture. And he's okay. using it to explain why the convoy is diverse. <laughs> you said okay, and like that's the first thing that came to my mind when I was listening as well, because this contradicts like numerous things he has said before about immigrants. So we'll, we'll play the clip and uh, see how you feel afterwards. I have always believed that freedom and loving freedom is a human condition, not just for this race or that race. I've always believed that everyone wants to be free. When, when people say China's Confucian cultural mindset is for order and rules and obedience and hierarchy, I don't want to accept that. I, I mean, you can point to Hong Kong and Taiwan as proof to the contrary. Those are freedom-loving places. I truly believe that every race, every human is meant to be free, and I think they know it, but sometimes the Liberal Party in Canada and the Democrats in the States seem to grab voters as soon as they immigrate here as a sort of implicit, I let you into the country, I'm a left-winger, so now vote left-wing with me uh, as payment. He's made similar arguments in the past, but this one was a little bit more like, I don't know, closer, like, I'm not saying the Liberals are doing this, but like, in a world in which the liberals were doing this, this makes more sense than some of the more, like, essentialist arguments he's made before about immigrants. Yeah. And so it was very weird. I mean, like, even the... I've never heard this about the Confucian thing. <laughs> uh, but it's, like, weird for, like... Because he's... He, even, like, the past week, like, when he was talking about how, like, uh, Middle Eastern people, like, come from, like, low-trust societies and stuff like this he like essentializes about other cultures all the time which is like partly why he's against like like a mass immigration as he refers to it because he he doesn't want like these essentialized cultures like coming into canada but but he's admitting right here that he's like everyone has the capacity for freedom (laughs) yeah that is very confusing like it is still very weird conspiratorial thinking about like the liberals and the democratic party it it was very interesting to play it uh, only because like Again, it, it like the essentialist point, like that that's been his thing all this time. And you could tell like it was very weirdly worded in this segment because I feel like 
he wants to tip his hat to the diversity idea because he wants to paint this convoy as not being white like nationalist. And so mm-hmm. he feels like he needs to make that move. But so it's like he's like stumbling over himself to make the point by like making weird points in the process. Because like I don't think a lot of people sit around and think, ah, Confucians, they're hard headed or whatever he did, (laughs) however you described it, right? Like he's clearly thought of that where most people haven't because he's an essentialist. It is a very like classical, like colonial imperialist notion and like understanding of China. Like, that is what the, like, colonizers and, like, what the British Empire and, like, everything else described China as for centuries. So it's not, like, a surprise to hear it from him. But also, like, I don't know, I do find it interesting that the only freedom-loving examples globally he could think of were Hong Kong and Taiwan, one of which was a British colony until 20 years ago, and then the other was a U.S. and Western-backed dictatorship until, like, 30 or 40 years ago. Like, hmm. Maybe you're picking and choosing very specific places for specific reasons. And there, there's going to be some more essentialization uh, in other ways coming up in a bit, so if we'll... We'll see if the points you just raised come come back, because a hint, they might. Kill surprise. So now, <laughs> now that we've talked about the uh, diversity of the trucker convoy, Ezra wants to move on to talking about what's happening in Coots, Alberta, where the truckers have blockaded the border between Canada and the U.S., and Rebel News has a team that is, like, embedded with the blockaders, and I believe they were there from the start. Let's be real, they aren't even there simply to report. They're also helping to crowdfund to support the truckers, including funding a lawyer that Rebel News suggested that they hire, and who is now helping the truckers negotiate with the RCMP. Great. And you will be reminded about the beginning section uh, of, you know, how Ezra felt about the RCMP negotiating with people breaking the law. And so... Ezra is keenly aware, because this was only two years ago, although like this hasn't stopped him before, usually they'll just plow through a contradiction, but this is the first time where he acknowledges the seeming contradiction of his past views. We're law abiders here, aren't we? I mean, I remember how we covered the railroad blockaders from two years ago. Anti-oil protesters are putting thousands of Canadian jobs at risk and potentially bankrupting farmers, and Trudeau's Liberals are ready to negotiate with these economic and eco-terrorists instead of supporting and enforcing the rule of law. How are these truckers blocking the road different from those Antifa types blocking the railway? It's a good question, and... One to consider. I have a few answers myself. So he doesn't answer it right away, but you can see that like he played a clip from the past of Sheila Gunn-Reed like talking about the eco-terrorists, as they described it, and their blockades. And he, yeah. he realizes that there's, there's a contradiction here between he's supporting a blockade now, how is this different than his uh, lack of support for the previous blockades? Now, 
he doesn't immediately get to it. Instead, I guess, uh, like, I would describe this as kind of like poisoning the well. He he says that he wants to get through a few facts first. And the first clip he plays is of the truckers at Coots, at the Coots border. He plays a clip of them all, like, praying together. Which... <laughs> Like, for his audience, like, you know, like, this is like, oh, look, look at these wonderful Christian, white, good trucker boys just all praying together, uh, you know? like. <laughs> of course. But then he gets to finally answering the question, uh, and we're going to get to it in the next clip. So I ask you. You ask me. Yes, I ask you, Vienna. Does Ezra sufficiently differentiate between the actions of the activists involved in the rail blockades and the actions of the truckers blockading the border in Coots. One man said he knew he would only leave in a police car. That's one of the differences between principled conscientious objectors, passive resistance, civil disobedience, versus the anonymous saboteurs of railroad tracks who were really just looking to derail a train and run away. These men in Coots, like Gandhi himself, knew they were breaking the rules and knew they would be punished for it and decided that was fine. The injustice of the laws was too much to bear passively or even consensually. That saying nothing wasn't an option and that complying wasn't an option and so the morality of the universe required them to call themselves lawbreakers since the law was so odious. In this case, a new segregation, a new ghettoization, a new apartness, or as they would say in Afrikaans, apartheid. That's too much to accept. And a ticket or a fine or a charge, even a criminal charge, was the price they would pay. And that by making the so-called justice system process them, the system itself would be revealed to be wrong or broken. And maybe it would therefore be amended. So? <laughs> I hate this dude so fucking much. <laughs> like, the invocation of apartheid and ghettoization, et cetera, et cetera, in service of this thing when apartheid was modeled off of our reservation system in Canada. Like, hmm. Yeah, and like, like again, the rail blockade was in support of the Wet'suwet'en because we're... Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> and like, the reason that left-wing activists are anonymous so much or like conceal their identity to the best of their ability is because otherwise... They disappear or get arrested for a billion years. These people, one, are dumbasses. So if they, if like legal action is ever taken and they are arrested, there isn't any like hiding from the consequences of their own actions. And also, they're not in as much danger. And that's the more important thing because they're you know middle class white dudes overwhelmingly and are friends with the cops so like they're not in danger of being like killed or having dogs sicked on them or just not ever coming home someday or spending the rest of their lives in prison you know, they might get a slap on the wrist if something does actually happen at some point and they are arrested. Like, they'll get, you know, a few months, a couple of years maybe. Especially, like, the 
more organizer-y types, but they won't get decades, which is what, like, environmentalist activists get and what indigenous activists get. But, but yeah. e- like, the thing that, like, surprises me the most, or at least in terms of this argument, is that I think this has come up several times on the show, which is why I was surprised that he made this argument. And you probably will remember this. Like, all the times when, say, like, Arthur Pulowski was, like, breaking the law. And Ezra, his his response to that was to say that Arthur Pulowski, in fact, was not breaking the law. And I was, I would always say to that, why don't they just own up to it and do, like, the Martin Luther King mm-hmm. line and say we're fighting unjust laws? But they never did that. And so it's, like, weird that, like, now he's pulling out that, like, tactic and he's admitting that these people are breaking the law. And now he's saying, ah, but, like, they're breaking unjust laws and, like, this is to show that, like, the system is unfair. (laughs) But it's, like, they haven't been making that argument yet, which is, like, very weird because it's, like, they didn't want to take that step to say, we're actually breaking the law. And it's weird that now they want to take that plunge for some reason. As, as tepid as it might be, as we'll see by the end of this week. But, like, it's weird that they're, they're making that kind of admission. I'm kind of saving my full thoughts until, like, once we get closer to the end of the episode. In terms of, like, you know, because it's not as simple as, like, I think the way that we would phrase it, where, like, you know, we're never on the side of law, really, because we have principles to stand on type of thing. And so, sure, yeah, like, blockades were good then, and they're shit right now. But that doesn't mean that I'm suddenly like, oh, yeah, let's go state action. Let's go, (laughs) you know, RCMP or cops or whatever. And that's the difference. Like, and there are other things that, like, I'm not remembering as I'm saying it, where it's just like, you know, there is this contradiction that Ezra has, where I don't think that it's a contradiction in our case to condemn the the current blockades. And like, and we accept, I mean, that's the other thing is like, it's always been easy for us. Like, even when you were talking about uh, the fact that a lot of left-wing protesters need to remain anonymous for their safety, which I 100% agree with, but not every left-wing protester goes anonymous and they do get arrested and they know they're going to get arrested when they do it. That's the point. Like that is the point of like some kind of like non-violent resistance is, you know, you're breaking the law in the service of justice. Like just recently, there was a couple uh, environmental activists that sat on a bridge in BC during the, the the blockades that are happening elsewhere in this country. Like this was a couple days ago, and those people were immediately swept off and arrested by the police. Like, yeah. <laughs> and where is where is Ezra out there who's like, whoa, 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 whoa? <laughs> the police should not get involved because hey, those people were like. Uh, you know, just doing the right to protest and they're just showing that the laws are unjust. Like, it, it's it's amazing that, like, the, the still... Because he's he's making this point, but you will see Ezra still doesn't want anyone on his side to get arrested. There's, like... Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, he can, he can claim that, like, oh, these, these anonymous saboteurs who are hiding their face. Yet, like, he would probably advocate for that policy if people on his side were getting arrested. They just happen to be friends with the cops right now. And the other thing is, when they do practice, like, any sort of decent, like, privacy and, like, not showing their face 
very publicly or anything, he condemns them as false flags, like he did yeah. with a certain Nazi flag earlier in this episode. Like, so he always has the means of like stepping away from those aspects that he didn't like or whatever. He's he's got a like one sort of like endorse these movements while distancing himself from any like fallout that might come from like. Uh, not positively received actions of the movement. <laughs> We're going to move on, but I-, I wanted to play this next clip. It's really short, only because it's a point that he's made before, but it's uh, related to the essential, <laughs> the essential nature of some people. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play this clip again. This is something we've talked on the show before. It's a very weird point, but Ezra's gonna make it again. Because he he somehow, it's like the essential nature of the French that we talked about recently. When Ezra hits on a point, he just loves, he feels like he's so fucking smart. Like he figured some like secret to the universe out. So we get it again. That's what Gandhi did. It only works in democracies though. Stalin, Hitler, Mao, Xi Jinping, they would just kill or imprison Gandhi. Only the British could be appealed to through their consciences. What the fuck? Yeah, well, I mean, we've talked about this before. Ezra has this idea that, like, there's an essential nature to the British people, that they're just so nice, that, like, when... <laughs> when <laughs> they're so nice that they just... You can only... Uh, nonviolent resistance can only work with the British because they're nice. Didn't you no, know? No, it can only work in democracies, which apparently fucking colonial India... <laughs> was one of what the fuck that place was ruled as a fucking fiefdom for like 250 years what (laughs) i just like also love that like referring to these fucking truckers as both like mlk and gandhi like that's just (laughs) i hate this shit uh me too the next clip i want to play just so i i had mentioned earlier that they're uh, working with this uh, lawyer and all that fun stuff. But I want to play this clip just to show everyone who's listening how involved Rebel News is with this convoy. So again, remember that one of his issues with the rail blockades was that he claims it was being funded by big NGOs and therefore it wasn't uh, authentic. But look at how, in the clip we're going to play, how involved with this, uh, especially the Coots border crossing, Rebel News is with that protest. How will history judge these truckers in Coots? I don't know. But I know that last night I got a phone call from them asking for help. I got on the phone and a group of the men all got together on the speakerphone and they asked if we could help them get a lawyer and would we crowdfund a lawyer for them? And I said, yes, of course we would. And so we did. We set up a website, truckerlawyer.ca, and we put together some dough, and we'll probably need more. Uh, It's going down right now. We hired Chad Williamson. You might remember him. We've used Chad in the past. He helped Chris Scott of the Whistle Stop Diner, who um, I shall also tell you Chad won a Rebel News case for us. I don't remember. He was our lawyer against Trudeau when Trudeau banned us from the leaders' debates in the election. So I called up Chad last night, late at night, and I asked him if he could drop everything and get down to the border, and he said yes, and he brought another lawyer with him named Marty. Uh, And here's the video of their arrival in Coots today. Like, they were embedded with the trucker people, and then 
somehow like they could just pick up a phone and call Ezra and then like somehow uh, Ezra knew the exact lawyer he could call up in the middle of the night to get down there and help them like look listen to how connected they are with this fucking movement mm-hmm. and like how willing he is to just like crowdfund get lawyers pay for this shit like and like for him to like not perceive like here's the thing is like he's gonna perceive himself i guess of being like an organic part of this movement but like he really is part of the astroturf aspect of this movement the dude who is roommates with the current premier of alberta obviously has no high-ranking connections within you know anything else and we know they've, like, received large, like, Rebel has received large donations from, like, big funders. Now, I don't know that they're they're currently receiving those, and I don't know whether any money they could or could not be receiving are being used to support these protests. All that fun, like, caveats aside, the point is, they're not some small, quote-unquote, small player here, you know? Yeah. That and, like, he can use his connections and call up, like, lawyers and do all the things he's been doing throughout this entire pandemic to sort of, like, fight the fines and all the other shit that he's been doing. Well, like, and including, like, the international connections, right? Like, when you have Tucker Carlson being, like, oh, God bless Rebel News, and, like, you know, all of these other, like, extremely well-known right-wing politicians in the U.S. also coming out in, like, support of this, and then you're just like, oh sure they just happen to have connections to rebel news or like happen to be sharing their content etc etc and it's like hmm maybe this is just like years of work kind of paying off in a in some respects because like this is going to increase rebel news's profile as well yep so like it's all it's all part of the grift, right? Like Canadian anti-hate network made a good point that like, I guess people are going around talking about how a lot of the funding is not coming from uh, Canada or Canadian sources and how like the, the response to this isn't to suggest that this is simply like a foreign movement or whatever, because the, the people in Ottawa and who are blocking the bridges and stuff like this, they are Canadian. Like this is a homegrown problem in a, in a, large respect and so you shouldn't use the fact that some of the funding sources are outside to sort of like take away from the fact that these are canadians and try to like dismiss that right but that that being said the one the one addition to that that i have is that it was found that with the the new sort of like donation page it's not gofundme anymore it's like give send or something yeah ctv is reporting that 52 percent of the donations are coming or seem to be coming from the united states and 12% seem to be coming from other countries, and only 36% of the donations are from Canadian sources. And a lot of those donations seem to be like huge chunks. So you'll get like $30,000 or $100,000 from like big uh, funding sources, right? All I want to say to that is, again, with the contradiction, for like the things that we heard earlier of him complaining about like the Tides Foundation and all this shit like supporting, which... They didn't support the rail blockades. The Tides Foundation was only associated with, like, the Wet'suwet'en in terms of, like, water testing. But he wants to say that somehow that funded the blockades. But, like, it's clear that, like, other sources in other countries are funding these operations. And if it was a problem for left-wing activists, he doesn't seem to have a problem with it for right-wing 
uh, activists. As always, it's less of an issue of like an actual contradiction in his beliefs and more that he is projecting what the right wing actually does onto the left wing. So it's like, of course he's fine with it when it's the right wing because he knew that they were doing shit like this the yep. whole time. He was just assuming that the left wing was doing it also without the like awareness that like left wing movements are not well integrated with the state or like the hierarchies of like financial power. Yeah. We, whereas the right wing is like, we don't have those sweet like connections. I mean, the, the funny thing is like when it comes to things like the tides foundation, like they're a liberal organization. So they, they would fund something like water testing, but they're not going to fund fucking rail blockades. You know? Yeah. And, and it's part cause like they realize that like that becomes in some sense, uh, I I don't even want to say a liability. It's just like they're worried about like optics and how this will look, you know, where like the right wing doesn't. They clearly don't give it. Like they they'll hide it, but they they'll try to find ways to pump as much money into this shit as possible. And they've been doing it for years. Woohoo! So Ezra goes on to claim that the RCMP is illegally preventing the truckers from the blockade uh, in Coots, Alberta, from accessing food and medicine. And I find that ironic because, like, they're illegally blockading a border. And so the RCMP has sort of, like, cordoned them off. And now they're like, we can't get food and medicine. And now Ezra says that blockade is illegal. <laughs> and I guess so... in, <laughs> I guess in his mind, this is a, a, a justification that the negotiations that are happening between the lawyer and the RCMP uh, and the truckers, they're justified now compared with the rail blockades two years ago because the police have done something illegal and now they have to do the the negotiating thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's what he's trying to say, but, like, similar shit would happen with with leftist organizations, but we would never have the opportunity, or sort of, like, leftist blockades, but we would never have the opportunity to negotiate. They would just come in and remove us. Yeah. He also downplays the extent to which the blockade is disruptive and says that the only crimes that are being committed are just, you know, minor traffic violations. Even though one of his major talking points about the rail blockades was like, oh my god, supply chains, all the supply chains are ruined. We're losing millions of jobs. Millions of jobs are going away because of the rail blockades. You know, similar things, supply chain disruptions will happen because of these blockades. Like, that is... <laughs> and in the case of both... That was the fucking point. Yep. Like, even in the case of these ones that he supports, that is the goal. Like, disruption is kind of the point of protest. But you could see, like, here he's trying to back off of it, and there's going to be... Yeah, a, yeah. It, he, there's going to be another moment uh, uh, the next day that we're going to get to where he again will try to back off of it. Because, like, even when, like, that is the purpose of what is happening, he still can't, like, there's a part of him that knows he doesn't want to sign on to it because it's, like, you know, that uh, the, the right-wing idea that, you know, the law, like... They're law and order people. Didn't he say that? He's a law and order person. So <laughs> even though the entire time we've listened to him, he's pretty much been railing against the actual laws of this country. <laughs> he's a law and order person. All right. Of course. So Ezra then discusses how the presence of Rebel News at the Coots border crossing is serving to deescalate the, pol the police. Uh, and he ends the episode with this. And he makes an analogy 
at the end of this clip. So I want you to listen for that. I think the police are smart enough not to touch you in Sydney, who are there as reporters, but you never know. I mean, Trudeau's RCMP beat up our reporter in Toronto last month, uh, our friend David Menzies. So uh, you never know what the RCMP might do. I think the presence of your cameras is having a salutary effect. It's probably keeping the police from going full Waco. Going full Waco. <laughs> That's a good expression also. It, it is weird. Like, like, of course, if he wants to create some sort of sympathetic image, it's going to be the one thing that a lot of right-wingers are sympathetic to, which was like the siege at Waco. Uh, as his go-to of like the police like as if the canadian fucking police are gonna like i don't know set the border crossing on fire and kill all the truckers and the kids in the building yeah. <laughs> it's never gonna happen <laughs> can you fucking imagine if it did like that would be that would be the biggest like international scandal in fucking canadian history in terms of like people actually internationally caring about it because it's not <laughs> like canada hasn't done worse things it's just like this would be the thing that got people upset or whatever but like oh my fucking lord again it's amazing to me there's even people on the left that are sympathetic to waco and like let's be real i don't think i think there was a lot of like police mishandling of what happened during waco but koresh yeah. was abusing children like that that is pretty much confirmed <laughs> so it's like mm. it's weird how he's been sort of like idolized in a lot of uh right-wing media sources but uh pretty gross the canadian military is going to activate its drone fleet and just wipe that border <laughs> town off the map <laughs> oh my god we're nuking ottawa <laughs> I love that so much. I just, I'd like, that was the first time I think Waco's come up. I was just like, whoa, he went yeah. there, all right. But all, just the phrasing of going yeah. for Waco is <laughs> just so excellent. Oh my God. And let, let's be clear here. I, I don't want the police to go full Waco here, all right? <laughs> I don't, I feel like that is a bit like, that's playing your hand a little too hard, you know? <laughs> I'm pretty <sighs> sure. Uh, the full Waco version in this scenario will be a bunch of, like, tow trucks moving some trucks, you know? I think that's going to be the end of this. Uh, at least in terms of coots, that is likely to be the end result of that. Yeah. So then we move on to the second. And Ezra's coverage on the second is kind of all over the place. Uh, it's more about, like, the media hypocrisy. He talks more about the Nazi flag, false flag, flag thing, conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Uh he then says that Jugmeet Singh is abandoning his Sikh brethren by not supporting the Sikhs in the convoy. And he has a whole segment on that that I don't really care too much about. God. He also tries to claim that the traffic problems in Ottawa are actually not the result of the truck blockades, but because police were blocking the roads a couple, like, roads up from where the blockade is happening to, like, create a buffer zone... He says that that is actually what's causing the traffic problems in Ottawa. And it's also uh, police state aesthetics that this is happening. <laughs> Again, like the disruption is the point of the protest. Yeah, but like... And Ezra's just completely incapable of like putting himself in the mindset of like disrupting normalcy good, even for people he supports. 
But even like the tepid shit that the police are doing, like Ezra referring to it as like police state shit, the police, whenever we've done any protest, marching, taking a road, whatever, the police always create a buffer zone. It's what they fucking do. Like, <laughs> have we have we been like, here's the thing is like, maybe we have been living in a police state this entire time, Ezra. <laughs> But it's like, of course, his awareness of it is like, oh, my God, the police are now doing things to like the truck, the people that I like. And now I actually care about the issue, which let's be honest, he doesn't really care about the issue. But it's that weird sort of like flip there, you know? Yeah. Then in the interview half, which is the more, uh, I guess, important portion of the February 2nd uh, episode, he interviews Chad. Chad Williamson, Williamson, who's the lawyer that Ezra hired to negotiate with the RCMP on behalf of the truckers and coots. So not only does he hire this person, he's like, Chad, get on my show and let's talk. Let's talk shop. It is true. Supply chain disruptions have significant impacts on people. And we just described how that is the point of this. Right. And, and it's also like why like supply chains can be leveraged by activists who want to change things. That, that, that's the mm -hmm. whole point. Yeah. And Ezra talked before about how these blockades, they impact communities, and it was a reason, again, why he was against them. But watch how Chad reframes these blockades to downplay the extent to which these supply chains impact other people. When you have uh, rolling blockades popping up spontaneously across the province, cutting off major supply lines so that uh, hipsters don't get their avocado uh, avocado toast in the morning. Uh, it really can uh, it can have a profound impact on getting getting politicians to bend the ears uh, to people who are uh, uh, vocal uh, uh, enough to uh, uh, to try to elicit some change. You know, like way to just like brush over all the like you know communities who won't get like food or whatever possibly because of these blockades, and then just go. Oh, the only reason politicians are going to listen is if those hipsters don't get their avocado toast, then they're going to like, I don't know, talk to the politicians and the politicians are going to listen. Like that's that's the chain of events that are going to happen. What? <laughs> I honestly, the only thing I could think of is he wants to bring up avocado toast and like hipsters to be like the like the the pol the elitist politicians that's the real constituency is those hipsters not these not these uh truckers over here that are just trucking it up it's those hipsters and the avocado toast so if we make their lives miserable so they can't have their avocados that's when change is going to happen but it's like in the process you are making other people miserable it's not <laughs> yeah and arguably, I would say, I think the hipsters are going to be fine without, <laughs> without their avocado toast. <sighs> <laughs> Thanks, Chad. Yeah. Ezra then asks Chad who these people are, referring to the truckers. And I think this is very telling. But this is how Chad responds to that question. Uh, the salt of the earth nature of the people that, uh, um, uh, th that have taken up this cause from all industries, agriculture, trucking... Uh, trades. Uh, we've got business owners. We've got uh, uh, ranchers and uh, and cattle folk. Uh, these are uh, true Albertans, and they uh, there's children down here. Uh, there's wives. Uh, there's uh, there, there's there's all sorts of uh, unbelievable people. People from all sorts of uh, ethnic backgrounds as well. Dutchmen. We've got Germans. Uh, we've got Norwegians. We've got uh, uh, you know folks whose families immigrated here a hundred years ago. 
we've got Norwegians, we've got Dutch, we've got Germans. That's all of the countries. Such all of the ethnicities in Canada. Such ethnic we've got people diversity. Who, we've got people who arrived a hundred years ago. We've got people we've got the loyalists who arrived here two hundred years ago. We've got we've got fucking Acadians. We're ethnically diverse. Like you could just say you have white people. That's all. <laughs> yeah. But even like listen to the the occupate like the occupation stuff. It was like agriculture workers, truckers, business owners, and tradespeople. Like why why aren't retail <sighs> workers there? Why aren't why aren't Those nurses there? What, are, what teachers? Why like are they are teachers not true Albertans? Only, only truckers, tradesmen, business owners. Those are the only true Albertans. The salt yeah. of the earth. He, he, I cut this out, but the, before he goes onto that like speech about who these people are, he tells a story about how one of the truckers saved a kitten, and <laughs> and it's long, and I couldn't find like a good cut of it. But I was just like, why do we care whether this person saved a kitten or not? <laughs> Like, it's obviously, he's like, I'm going to try to paint these people in the most, like, uh, kind light as possible to and tell a story about how once they saved a kitten. Oh, wow. <laughs> the next clip I want to play is to highlight how even though uh, Ezra has framed these truckers as Gandhi or MLK, he still seems to have trouble calling them lawbreakers. I'm sure some of these cops are thinking, what am I doing? Why am I enforcing some health order? I joined the police to, to go after murderers and kidnappers, and here I am going after law-abiding conservative truckers because um, they, they're refusing to show their health papers. Law-abiding conservative truckers who just happen to be breaking the law right now. <laughs> <sighs> and yet, again... Who wanted the police to go after, like, the rail blockade people who were not, in fact, murdering railroads? <laughs> no murder was taking place at the rail blockades. But somehow, yeah. like, RCMP needs to get in there and fuck those protesters up. But when it comes to these people, oh, no, not at all. They're just honest, law-abiding conservatives who, who don't want to obey the laws of this country. <laughs> <sighs> So after the interview, Ezra talks about Aaron O'Toole being removed as leader of the Conservative Party. And uh, he describes it as O'Toole being hit by a truck and then ends the show by saying uh, whether or not Jason Kenney wants to drive the truck or be hit by it. <laughs> okay. So we're getting a lot of like hit by truck metaphors to, to his uh, old roommate. Uh-huh. No hard feelings there. Nope. And when he says it, it's it's clear that he, he expects Kenny to be hit by the truck, so it's fun. And that takes us to February 3rd. Now, there's not a lot to cover here on February 3rd. The entire show is an extended interview with ex-premier of Newfoundland, Brian Peckford, and we talked about him already a couple weeks ago. Yes. But he is back because he has a new lawsuit, and the lawsuit is being argued by the JCCF, which is the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom, and it's worth mentioning here that uh, their president, John Carpe, hasn't been on Rebel News uh, since Carpe hired a private investigator to stalk a judge of one of his clients. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> and Ezra mentions JCCF, but doesn't mention the fact that John Carpe is still their president. Yeah. And yeah, they used to be buddy-buddy, but uh, I guess they're trying to keep uh, Carpe on the, on the DL for now. This lawsuit uh, that Peckford is, uh, you know, 
going after the federal government for is about airplane mandates. And it's asking for a judicial review, suggesting that these mandates go against the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And so we've talked a lot about like his various arguments, uh, Peckford's arguments against uh, the use of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, uh, Section 1 clause in allowing for these mandates uh, to continue. And part of that rests on the justification thing. So the crux of the lawsuit is that they claim there is no evidence to justify mandating vaccines for air travel. And Ezra implies that the mandates were in fact lobbied by, uh, or he, sort not were in fact, but he, he speculates sort of that like Pfizer was involved in the process that allowed these uh, uh, mandates to go through. And I, I'm guessing based on how he sort of framed it, that he thinks this is due to vaccine sales. You know, like if you get everyone you can't get on an airplane unless you're vaccinated. So that increases the sale of vaccines because people want to fly. So they get vaccinated kind of thing. And uh, the argument there is that like these decisions were not done for the reasons of public health and whatever. Peckford agrees with Ezra and says that the government never sought uh, experts who offer alternative viewpoints. And he offers as one of the people that they should have gotten an alternative viewpoint for as uh, Julie Panessi. And this is weird to me because Julie Panessi is a philosopher was sorry a philosophy professor <laughs> at uh at uh, an affiliate college of western universities so not to throw shade at affiliate colleges but like it's more like to the teaching and like other stuff they're not usually like well regarded teaching at the affiliate college such that they would be called in as experts i don't think that's uh, <laughs> not to throw shade it's just weird that like because she happens to be someone that agree with uh, Ezra and Peckford that he thinks that the government would go to her <laughs> and be like, please, Panessi, we need to hear what you have to say. Hey, hey, Brian Peckford, um, why didn't you listen to experts with dissenting opinions um, when you were continuing to overfish the cod stocks to the point that they collapsed three years after you left office as premier of Newfoundland? He was... <laughs> <laughs> he was busy listening to the alternative alternative view, which is that the COD will last forever. Of course. So this discussion leads to Ezra and Peckford talking about natural immunity, because they argue another reason for why this law is not justified is because natural immunity works. Therefore, you shouldn't be able to put in a vaccine mandate when you should count uh, natural immunity. And this gets really, really problematic because Ezra compares natural immunity to when he was a kid and went to chicken pox parties. If you've taken high school biology, you don't have to be a professor to know about immunity. You, I mean, you just have to be a kid who gets chicken pox or whatever, and you know what it means. It, you know, you, you get a disease, you get it better. I mean, I, I'm old enough that, that when kids had chicken pox, the other moms would bring their kids over. So you'd get it early instead of later in life when it could actually be a serious uh, health problem. And that's natural immune. Everyone knows what that means. Your immune system, strengthen your immune system. Everyone knows that that's a thing. You don't have to be a scholar to know that. I just want to highlight here that chicken pox parties are not a good idea. You, like, most kids are fine after getting chicken pox, okay? Most yeah. kids. Some kids are not fine. Just like any mm -hmm. other virus in this world, some kids can be severely damaged by getting chicken pox. And there is a vaccine for chicken pox. There, <laughs> there is no reason I mean, to do this. 
for him, like, yeah, there probably wasn't, because I think it only came out in, like, the 90s, didn't it? Yes. The the vaccine, it might have been, yeah. I think it was invented in the 90s, but it slowly rolled out from there. Yeah. So, you know. Because I didn't get before, it when I Before Ezra type of thing. Yeah. Um, but also, again, the chicken pox example is really bad, because he's talk he's admitting that, like, it's bad when you get it when you're older. And yet, if you do a chicken pox party, and then all the kids get chicken pox and return to their families who might not have gotten chicken pox as kids, that can kill the adults in their families. Which is the exact same fucking logic as COVID. Like, one, it could have very bad effects for the children involved. Two, it can kill the adults in the families. Like... This is like... And them bringing up here, it was very dangerous in the context of the show, too, because... Again, I'm I'm they didn't come directly out and say it, so like Ezra don't sue me, all that bullshit. Like they were very clear that they weren't saying it. But like if I was a casual listener of this like program and they go from talking about chicken pox party to like the natural immunity of like COVID, like mm-hmm. there is there's a clear line of thought there where it's like just get infected with the disease and you won't have to get vaccinated, which completely ignores the fact that like in compared to like chicken pox, it's not good to go to a chicken pox party regardless. But in comparison to chicken pox, COVID is a lot more deadlier. Like, don't mm. <laughs> this is fucking terrible advice. And for the same thing that you're saying, which is like, maybe the maybe the COVID party works out fine for the kids. It won't, but maybe it does. But then they go home to grandparents and then infect them. And it's not great for the grandparents and they die, you know? Like And like the other thing is like chicken pox doesn't grant lifelong immunity. I've had chicken pox three times. I could still get it again and have it be, like, incredibly dangerous type of thing. Like, getting chicken pox does not give you instant immunity because everybody's cases vary and everybody's immune systems vary. We talked about this in one of our past shows, but, like, it's, like, weird, like, the all or none sort of language they use. Like, even in this episode, he talks constantly about how, like, the vaccines aren't real vaccines because they don't offer 100% immunity. But it's, like... Natural immunity doesn't offer 100% immunity, and yet you're still calling it immunity. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it's it's just, it's fucking word games at the end of it, where, like, just just tell me you don't like vaccines. Just fucking be real about it. Instead, they have to play this, like, I'm pro-vax, I'm just pro-safe vax, blah, blah. It's like, no, you just, you're afraid of needles. You know, like, like what else is it? Like, you're just... Yeah. Because, like, even Peckford in the next, uh, like, sentence after Ezra mentions the chicken pox party, uh, like, it, well, not the next sentence, but, like, in a bit, starts talking about how, like, several millions of people are being injured by vaccines and just look at the VAERS data. And, like, if he's going to bring that shit to the courts, like, he's going to be, like, slapped out, like, <laughs> completely fucking slapped out of there and be like, VAERS data is just aggregate collected data. It's meaningless until it's like investigated it's just uh, like just say you don't like vaccines the rest of the interview again it's just more uh anti-vaccine denialist stuff so uh i'm gonna skip it uh and not talk about the rest i mean the only thing that they say is like at the end they they both agree that uh the mandates are us slowly moving towards the holocaust so Hmm. I, i guess i will this additional ending. So they the final, the very final, final thought that Ezra has at the end of the show is he argues that it's, it's a very well. He, I love like you, when you're reflecting on something that you already wrote and you're like, oh, the thing I wrote was just so good. <laughs> 
We just we just made a great lawsuit. It's fucking killer. And then, of course, he follows that up by going, and now if it loses, I mean, it's so great that it can't lose, but if it loses, it's because the judge is old and is afraid of dying from COVID. <laughs> I just love, even when it comes to, like, winning or losing lawsuits, it can't be that they lost on the merits, ever. It can't, like, nothing that he does is ever, like, due to his volition. There's always some conspiracy or some contingent factor that's beyond his control, like the judge just being afraid, and that's the only reason he could lose. But also, the judge is afraid of dying of COVID. Like, this hypothetical judge, like, you're still admitting that COVID is yeah. dangerous. <laughs> well, I mean, he, like, he could say that the judge has an irrational fear or some shit. Like, uh, I, I'm yeah. sure he could get around that. But it, there, there is an aspect of that of, like, you know, maybe the judge should be afraid of COVID. <laughs> yeah. No, it's amazing. <sighs> so now we're at the end of the week. We're on the 4th, and... Ezra is shocked that the police are going to be using techniques to discover who's funding the convoy, and they're going to get personal information on all the participants of the convoy. And he describes this as spying. Already, uh, I can imagine, Vienno, you're probably thinking that the police do this all the time to left-wing activists, even when they're not doing blockades. <laughs> yeah. But Ezra wants to go on and say this is, in fact, not normal policing. None of that is normal policing. Much of that is illegal if it's actually done. That's how a police state sounds. That's how they do it in Castro's Cuba or Hugo Chavez-style Venezuela. Both of those tyrants have passed on, but their authoritarianism remains. And yes, it is illegal. You're yeah. right. They still do it because they enforce the law. Who's going who's gonna to stop them? And where have you been the whole time they were doing this? Like, you were not there. Oh no, he was probably cheering it on. Come no, he on. was. He, yeah, exactly. When, like, like when, like he he knew the police were fucking doing this shit to like the wet sweat and activists. When did he fucking speak up about it? Never. What a fucking coward. Ezra then claims the police are purposefully trying to antagonize the convoy uh, to elicit what he re describes as a January sixth response, and he also says that this is the equivalent of the Reichstag fire. There's no violence at all. In fact, in the first two days of the huge protest last weekend, when it was at its height, there wasn't a single arrest, not even a single charge. This isn't violence. Why would you attack, surge, and contain, trap, a peaceful protest? Why would you escalate rather than de-escalate? Why would you threaten and antagonize Unless you're looking for violence, unless you're looking for that Reichstag moment, unless you're looking for that January 6th insurrection narrative that the truckers themselves did not give you. So that's the final clip that we're going to play. And uh, at least in that one, it's amazing how often Ezra needs to like remove volition from these right wing agitators. Like any time they engage violently, it's either not them or they were manipulated into it. Cops in Ottawa bringing Tim Hortons to protesters is the same as the Reichstag fire. I, I, I don't even, even understand, like, what sort of, like, analogy he's making. Like, why? So say the police go in and and remove, just like he wanted the police to go in on the, the rail blockade protesters. Say the police go in and then the protesters, the, these truckers, fight back. How is that the Reichstag fire? <laughs> Because Trudeau is going to say that he is now dictator for life, 
and um, that's just like Hitler. Like, and how is that like January 6th? Like, if anything, it's it's a framing thing because, and it all is going to depend on like popular support and the narrative that gets told, right? Like his supporters will see that as like justified protesters fighting against uh, police authoritarianism, right? But like mm. other people who think these convoy assholes are breaking the law and the police should do something, which I don't agree with, but like, well, at least I agree with everything up until that last point that the police should do something about it. Uh, all the people that support that are going to look at the police going in there and the other people fighting back as like, we need to support the police or like so, some Good kind of... God. Right? And so it's like, how is this going to play out in any way? Like January 6th or the Reichstag dig? Like, it's a completely different set of like... Circ- like, I, like I, don't, I don't even know what the fuck he's on about. Jody, they're all false flags. That's, yeah. <laughs> the, that's the thing. Well, that's the thing. It's like he he's trying so hard. Like he's he's bending over backwards to remove any any like connection to responsibility from any of the people that he likes that he's like tied himself in this weird fucking knot, you know? But also like and he's still denying like agency to the truck convoy people. Yeah. Like they might still be shitty, but it's also possible that they like do things and instigate things themselves. Well, I mean, Ezra has been saying, and you even heard it in this clip, like he's been saying it all week that these uh, the convoy people are nonviolent. But there have been several acts of violence. There's been uh, convoy participants throwing rocks at ambulances. Uh, there was the incident where they harassed a homeless shelter that was handing out food. Uh, there's also been this uh, suspected attempted arson that occurred that isn't getting a lot of press and probably because all the facts aren't in but somebody lit a fire in an apartment complex and tried to tape the door shut. And eyewitnesses said that they said that the people in the building were yelling at the truckers, which is why they did it. Yeah. We're in this situation where like violence is occurring, but Ezra never talked about any of those instances. He just gets to play it off like they're just, they're not happening. But even if they were a part of the convoy, you know the next response. Ezra's just gonna say that they're not representative of the convoy as a whole. But then, then, like, on the flip side of this, he never gives that charitability to the left either, right? Like that. <laughs> Jody, it was CSIS or the RCMP that were following uh, women and who were wearing masks and uh, threatening, uh, saying that they were going to take those masks off once they followed them home. Like, it was, it couldn't have been the truckers. It couldn't have been that they have even the slightest bit of misogyny to them. No. No, they're flawless, perfect people. They've there are beautiful there nothing... truckers. Yeah, <laughs> our beautiful special honkers. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, there has been reporting coming out suggesting that the truck convoy is getting more paranoid and are increasing their violent rhetoric. So the other thing is by preempting any violent act as being the fault of the police is another way for Ezra to avoid any culpability through supporting this convoy. I I hope that no violence comes in in the following weeks, but like tensions are running high. They're getting like fuel supplies brought in. The police are intercepting some of the fuel supplies, but not all of them. And uh yeah. And the, the only people who are left are, like, the diehards. So it's a, <laughs> it creates a heated moment. And I don't know what the next few weeks are going to bring. But it's probably not good. Yep. 
But in conclusion, I want to say uh, Ezra claims that spying on the truckers would be illegal because uh, no crime has taken place. But his reason for why this convoy was justified was, was because they are purposely, purposefully breaking laws to show the injustice of the system, you know? Uh, but even that narrative doesn't quite make sense because the convoy is not breaking the unjust laws in the same way that, say, civil rights activists were when they sat in white-only uh, restaurants. Instead, they are engaged in acts of disruption to promote a political goal to end, a, end the uh, pandemic regulations, which I think, uh, you know, engaging in an act of disruption can be a justified thing to do if the cause is in fact right. But Ezra mm. can't even admit that this is what is going on. <laughs> Ezra keeps acting like the police are uh, spying or aggression is only now evidence that we live in a police state. But he advocated for these policies when it was left wing causes doing the blockading. Not to mention that the police spying and aggression has been historically worse when it comes to left-wing protests. Ezra behaved like the police were hands-off when it came to the rail blockade, even though they weren't. And yet, he behaves like the police are evil for attacking the convoy, even though they have relatively been hands-off. On that note, like, there was the, the Winnipeg police and the protest there, where the protesters occupying the Manitoba legislature... Um, posted a video to his Facebook page uh, saying that the local police have been absolutely amazing to work with so far. We are in complete unity with them. They're like part of the team. They're just like us. They're just in uniform. I mean, there's been several of these cases. You had the uh, yeah. Aaron Howard, who uh, uh, was a police officer that's now being investigated for supporting the trucker convoy as it was starting. Like, the the leader, I think the leader of the, like, security for the occupation in Ottawa is a former RCMP officer. Yeah. Like, again, the police are not our friends. And so no. for any liberals that happen to be listening to us who, like, uh, you know, furl their brows whenever we say ACAB on this program, there's a reason why we say ACAB on this program, okay? And why we endorse ACAB as a philosophy, all right? I get like it it hurts some of you. You think, well, I know a few good cops, but they they're a part of this system that goes hand in hand with these fucking Nazi loving truckers. So, yeah, there's a rage against the machine song that is very explicit about this. So you should probably go check that one out, too. <laughs> get the link for that. For <laughs> what were you going to like? That'll be our cause to support this. <laughs> <laughs> listen to Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, listen to whatever specific song. The thing that worries me about this is that Ezra's audience and the audience on the right has been fed into this narrow silo uh, due to the like these content algorithms that are sending people to like Ezra and Tucker mm. and all this shit. And Ezra, because of this, can paint whatever imaginary picture he wants and his audience will just fucking eat it up. Like, it doesn't have to be real. It's a fucking imaginary, like... He's just... It's a blank canvas. He can paint whatever the fuck he wants on it. And this is a... a dangerous and he's a dangerous right-wing propagandist and uh this convoy is an extension of the media ecosystem he is a part of facilitating we will keep covering it but it's kind of terrifying <laughs> yeah shit fucking sucks so stay safe and if uh, you decide to join a counter protest uh i think that's good but always be safe uh bring friends keep your friends safe and uh Engage in communica community care and solidarity. Mm -hmm. 
am going to recommend that you read uh, the first chapter of John Holloway's uh, Change the Book, Change the World Without Taking Power. Um, it's only like 10 pages in like an actual book. And it's a pretty short article posted on uh, Libcom. Um, and the chapter is entitled The Scream uh, as an attempt to articulate the kind of just like gut feeling that something in the world is wrong and how that is the basis for like any critique of the society that we live in and therefore any chance at building a different world. I feel like it's especially relevant considering everything that's going on right now both with like the convoy but also like covid climate change you know nfts climate like capitalism in general and just like the the state of the world um and it just always fills me with a sense of like almost catharsis in like kind of describing the gut reaction to the way that the world works that i and so many people that i know have it's just a really fucking good piece. That's that's it. If you support and enjoy what you've heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we are doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News with a Z. We have a Discord set up. We do Twitch streams every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find clips on our YouTube channel. Not just clips, but we were I'm doing like solo videos there. So if you're interested, go check those out. And you can find all the links in the show notes of this episode. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striadam.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And Reichstag Fire Metaphors, you canceled. Reichstag fires was fucking lazy. Albumia, Albumia, how lovely are your wheat fields? Uh, Simone, get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. I like the yelling at the cat segment of the podcast. <laughs> well, it's going to be on the visual media, but I'll have to cut it out of the actual show. Get out of here. All right. I think you should leave it. <laughs>